the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Chalcedon Report Number 33, May 1968 A false perspective leads quickly to moral disarmament. If a man sincerely believes in the brotherhood of man, he is morally disarmed as he meets the reality of man's enmities. If a man believes that Martin Luther King Jr. was a basically good man, but sometimes misguided, he is morally disarmed in coping with the evil begotten by King. It is important, therefore, to analyze some of the broad outlines of perspectives. What are the basic perspectives which a man can have with respect to our world crisis? The first perspective is that of the dropouts. The hippies, of course, come to mind first of all. The hippie holds that all of modern civilization and religion is hypocrisy and fraud. Only a fool becomes involved in it and a part of it. The basic act of virtue and of wisdom for the hippie is therefore to drop out. The glow of self-righteousness which characterizes all hippies comes from this fact of dropping out. It is a sign of superior wisdom and virtue and accordingly the hippie despises all those who do not share his superior wisdom. The hippie talks about love but he seethes with hatred for everything in the, quote, square, unquote, world. He feels no compunction about exploiting it, defiling it, or destroying it. A second element in the dropout movement is the Negro, quote, civil rights, unquote, champion and revolutionist. The readiness of these people to burn and destroy comes from their hatred of the existing order. But this is not all. The civil rights movement is first and last an anti-Negro movement, seething within hatred not only for the white man, but for the black also. The first targets of burning are usually Negroes who are law-abiding and hard-working. In one city, when King was murdered, many Negroes sat on their roofs with guns to protect their homes from black revolutionists while their wives met in prayer meetings, beseeching God's mercy and protection. The Negro civil riders have dropped out of American life, white and black. They hate and despise the liberals who aid them, and they spit out contempt for the good men of their own race. They are dropouts. They despise the achievements and morality of Western Christian culture, and their one target is to destroy. Quote, burn, baby, burn, unquote. There are many other varieties of dropouts, but a third will suffice to illustrate the nature of the dropout. The leading dropouts are the Marxists. 
Marx's basic philosophy was a faith in the regenerative power of destruction, the religion of revolution. Marxists are thus dedicated above all else to destruction. The appeal of Marxism to all kinds of dropouts is thus very great. This means, too, that Marxists can exploit dropouts easily because it offers organization to their urge to mass destruction. The hippies, the student rebels, who are dropouts in their own way, and the various radical groups are all easily used by the Marxists to further their dropout goal. The total destruction of the past and of all godly law and order. The Negro, quote, civil rights, unquote, movement is made to order for the Marxists. In Russia, the Bolsheviks were too few and too, quote, intellectual, unquote, to fight a revolution themselves. They had to use dupes to do the job for them. Basic to the revolution was the naval mutiny of the sailors of the Kronstadt fleet. This was the beginning of the collapse of Russia into lawlessness, anarchy, and revolution. The sailors had their grievances, but when it was all over, the settlement the sailors of the Kronstadt fleet received was death for all. February 23rd through March 17, 1921, marked the mutiny of these sailors against the Bolsheviks. Instead of getting their original demands, the sailors were worse off. Their payoff now was death. The Negroes are the modern Kronstadt fleet. They are encouraged and subsidized for violence, and at the same time, local law enforcement agencies are progressively hamstrung to lead to a federal power over all people in order to, quote, cope, unquote, with rioting. The Negro is made increasingly the object of hatred by the subsidized rioting of some so that the majority of whites will later welcome a socialist power which suppresses the disorders. The Marxists, as the strongest and most systematic dropouts, cash in on every dropout effort. It all contributes to their ultimate goal of destruction. But many who do not consider themselves Marxist or who are anti-Marxist actually contribute to the Marxist success. This is done by accepting the basic Marxist premise, environmentalism. The report of the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders, March 1968, blamed the riots not on hoodlums and revolutionists, but placed the guilt on the law-abiding white population, an example on the environment. Now, there are two steps in settling any problem. First, find out what is wrong and who is responsible. Second, remove the conditions and persons which are responsible. At this point, the commission was not honest. It blamed the white environment. It called for certain corrective actions. But it did not openly state that it was in effect calling for the punishment of the law-abiding white population. By calling for more taxes and more laws, it was instituting repressive measures against those who must pay the taxes and whose freedom of association is limited by the laws. Now, environmentalism places the blame not on the guilty parties, but on the human environment and the cultural environment. It condemns that environment and calls for a dropout from it, and then logically the destruction of it. The Marxists are the leaders in the world of dropouts. They see the implications most clearly. The second basic perspective can be called that of the drop-ins. The drop-in declares that everything is basically fine, 
All that is needed is a little tinkering, some neat changes here and there, and all will be well. In analyzing dropouts, we began with the hippies, an adolescent phenomenon. In dealing with the drop-ins, let us begin with another adolescent phenomenon, the great drop-in voice of youth, Playboy magazine. The gospel, according to Playboy, is total humanism. Accordingly, Playboy is strongly hostile to Orthodox Christian faith and morality and wages unceasing warfare against it. For Playboy, the glory of life is our humanistic culture. Get rid of the Christian hangover, get rid of internal revenue and the income tax, and get rid of federal snoopers which invade our privacy, and all will be well. Even as Marxism represents a radical humanism, Playboy represents a conservative humanism. For both, biblical Christianity is the enemy. Playboy's philosophy presents, quote, the good life, unquote, for those who believe in dropping in, in creaming our heritage without any responsibility to it, who want to live well rather than to live responsibly under God. Another kind of drop-in is to be found among the political liberals and conservatives who believe that with a little tinkering, an election or two, the world will be well. This position is basically rationalistic. It has no sense of roots or life. Some political cure-all is the answer. H. Du Berrier has again and again called attention to the fallacy of the liberal rationalists and radicals, whose cure for Vietnam was to remove the emperor and institute, quote, democracy, unquote. But their action has effectively destroyed Vietnam and left it without a principle of authority. We may not like it, but in terms of the religion of these people, the emperor is a divine human figure and is the source of authority. Take away the emperor, and you take away authority and introduce anarchy. Now, we may prefer a Christian Vietnam, or a, quote, democratic, unquote, and liberal Vietnam, or a conservative republic there. But the reality of Vietnam is that such things cannot have roots there, in the future, perhaps, but not now. Remove the principle of authority, and what are your choices? Anarchy or totalitarian coercion? There is nothing left to hold society together. Rationalists, conservative and liberal, are ready to dream up ideal schemes to build a new world. A little tinkering or a great tinkering, but always some addition or subtraction in paradise will come. It's a fine world, say these men. We want it to realize its possibilities. But does paradise come? Unfortunately, the Marxists arrive instead to cash in on the anarchy. But these drop-ins refuse to learn. One more tinker, one more election, one more something, and all will be well. The election of Eisenhower, I was told some years ago, would, quote, turn the tide, unquote. And not too long ago, some people refused to speak to me because I saw no gain in electing Reagan. The drop-ins refuse to face up to the fact of evil, its deep and religious roots, and its power. Pass a good law or win an election, and does evil go away, or does it not rather move more savagely against you? We are at war, and the basic war is between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, and there is no coexistence in that war. The drop-ins believe that everything is basically well with us, except for their little or big gimmicks. 
They want to cure cancer with nose drops, whereas the dropouts want to, quote, cure, unquote, it with a gun. How can you deal with the world of the dropouts without seeing its deep roots? Darwin, Marx, and Freud are the shapers of the modern mind and of environmentalism in its present form. Their influence saturates state, church, school, home, society, and both work and play. No law or election can change that fact overnight. It takes the grace of God, conversion, and the response of man, education, instruction, and application. This points us to a third perspective, one to counteract moral disarmament, Christian Reconstruction. This means facing up to the facts of the situation and recognizing how far gone we are. And it means driving that fact home to people. It means then re-educating and reconstructing society from the ground up. This means Christian schools instead of statist education. It means new and truly Christian churches instead of humanistic ones. It means building from the ground up in politics in terms of biblical perspectives. It means a Christian economics, godly science, agriculture, and so on. It means the centrality of the family, and it also means a Christian principle of authority as against a humanistic doctrine of authority. When the dropouts say of our culture that it is sick, they are right. But their answer is to kill the patient. When the drop-ins say they love our culture and want to improve or heal it, we can commend their wishes, but not their common sense, because cancer is not cured by nose drops, nor glaucoma by eye drops. Whether sincerely held or not, a false perspective leads to moral disarmament. But moral disarmament is a major step towards suicide. Calcine Report number 34, June 1968. One of America's original and greatest bleeding heart liberals was Horace Greeley, famous editor and socialist of Lincoln's day. Greeley was not a Christian, but a humanist. Of him, President Andrew Jackson wrote, quote, Greeley is all heart and no head. He is the most vacillating man in the country. He runs to goodness of heart so much as to produce infirmity of mind, unquote. Greeley's religion, by his own words, was simply this, quote, My affirmation creed is mainly summed up in the belief that God is infinitely wise and good, and that all evil is temporary and finite, and to be swallowed up in the end by universal good, unquote. Greeley's, quote, God, unquote, was a vague universal good. As a result, it always bothered me to read that this agnostic and bleeding heart liberal supposedly had a deathbed conversion and died murmuring, quote, It is done. I have fought the good fight. I know that my Redeemer liveth, unquote. Various church papers, preachers, and writers have made much of that statement, but it never rang true to me, no more than did other, quote, last words, unquote, of some famous old reprobates. But Henry Luther Stoddard quotes it in his book, Horace Greeley, as do others. Lucius Beebe, in The Big Spenders, gives us another version. Whitelaw Reed, editor of the Tribune, who gradually took over ownership from Greeley, was at Greeley's bedside with Greeley's daughters. Greeley, at the end, opened his eyes, saw Reed, and muttered, quote, 
USOB, you stole my newspaper, unquote. When Reed rejoined the others who were awaiting the end, he was asked by Tom Rooker, quote, What were his last words, Mr. Reed? Give us his last message, unquote. It was then that Reed said, quote, His last words were, I know that my Redeemer liveth, unquote. It made a prettier story, and it stuck. Why am I quoting this story? Because it illustrates so well the desire of many people for a happy ending for fairy tales. A few years ago, when I spoke in one city, a woman told me the entire group knew the story from her, that Charles Darwin had renounced evolution in his old age and died a Christian. Also, she claimed this could be found in a book she had seen of Darwin's letters, and that the book had since, quote, disappeared, unquote, from the public library. I stated that I owned that book, and it contained no such statement. The result, no one in that group wanted to hear me again, or take another case. Martin Luther King has been compared to Christ by the Pope, by many ministers, and by many lecturers. But King denied the Bible and Christ, and worked in association with a pervert and with communists. How do some of these people square their churches stand with their conscience? Well, the story is making the rounds that a day or so before he was killed, King told a friend that he had been very wrong, that the Bible was true, and Jesus indeed was the incarnate second person of the Trinity. The story is not only false, it is wicked. The people who believe it are trying to run away from reality and from responsibility. Their position is one of escapism, of moral irresponsibility. One such group of people is today urging Christians to do nothing about our world problems. Instead, they should separate themselves from every political, social, and religious controversy and problem and simply wait the rapture. Indeed. This group is preparing for that, quote, event, unquote, by equipping itself with rapture suits. I have not taken time heretofore to criticize various other theological viewpoints. I only do so now because repeatedly various persons have raised the question of the, quote, rapture, unquote. It has been repeatedly said that because I and others do not hold to this view, we are either defective Christians or are not preaching the gospel or are even enemies of the gospel. Several friends have been told that they are not Christians and that they must submit to truly, quote, fundamental, unquote, teaching or be lost. Before going any further, let me state that not all who hold to a belief in the rapture are so arrogant, nor are all so given to escapism. Indeed, at one meeting where one such believer attacked my concern with social problems, Another stood up to say that the Lord's command is, quote, Occupy till I come, and no one, whatever their doctrine of the last things, could afford to neglect this order, unquote. The main source of these escapist doctrines is in the Schofield Bible Notes. Schofieldism is a system of doctrine which sees the fulfillment of biblical prophecy in national Israel. It is a kind of Christian Zionism. Related to this teaching is the school known as Dispensationalism. Dispensationalism holds to three major intervals on, quote, 
parenthesis, unquote, in history. 1. Between the first two verses of Genesis 1, 2. The Church of Mystery parenthesis between Pentecost and the Rapture, and 3. The Jewish Remnant parenthesis, a seven-year interval between the Rapture and the Appearing. Schofield basically accepted this system. Dispensationalism is essentially evolutionary, while claiming to be fundamental. Instead of a God who is unchanging, it gives us a changing God. It makes room for modern geological theories. It becomes antinomium or anti-law. A major dispensationalist group, the Plymouth Brethren, emphasize otherworldliness and a surrender of this world and its problems. Some have refused to hold public office, to take daily papers, to vote, or to become involved in the world's activities by trying to establish Christian law and order. In its extremes, dispensationalism becomes anti-Christian. S.D. Gordon rejected the cross of Christ and held that the Mosaic sacrifices saved men in and of themselves. He wrote of the cross, quote, It can be said at once that his dying was not God's own plan. It was a plan conceived somewhere else and yielded to by God. God had a plan of atonement by which men who were willing could be saved from sin and its effects. Unquote. This plan was the Mosaic sacrificial system. Schofield held to a similar belief to a great degree, and he looked for the restoration of the temple and of sacrifice. Those who want a detailed examination of the heresies of dispensationalism and Schofieldism can find it in O.T. Alice, Prophecy and the Church, Presbyterian and Reformed Publishing Company. Mysticism, too, leads to similar viewpoints. That is, a denial of the importance of this world and an attempt to escape from history and its problems and responsibilities. The roots of all such thinking are Neoplatonic or else Manichaean. Neoplatonism held it stemmed from Greek philosophy that only spirit or mind is real and that matter is not equal to spirit nor as real. This belief Horace Greeley echoed and its culmination is in Mary Baker Eddy. Manichaeanism held to two kinds of reality, matter, which is evil, and spirit, which is good. In some versions, such as Marxism, matter is good and spirit is evil, or in an inverted Neoplatonism, non-existent. The spiritual Manichaean forsakes the world of matter, of history, politics, and problems to concentrate on the world of spirit. The quote higher, unquote, Manichaeans said marriage was evil and put marriage on the same moral level as rape and incest. The biblical position is that body and soul are alike created wholly good, alike fallen, and alike redeemed in Christ. The Christian's duty and responsibility is to bring all the world into subjection to the rule of Christ, in whom alone is our true and perfect freedom. To deny either our material or spiritual responsibilities is to deny God. The Christian must seek to bring all things into captivity to Christ. Those who expect to be, quote, raptured, unquote, out of their problems 
are not Christian. This is paganism. It is a do ex machina belief. That is the Greek belief that salvation means being rescued from our problems. Biblical faith holds that salvation means that now, having been justified by God's grace, we are empowered to overcome our problems, to do battle unto victory. I have had some of these escapists tell me that if the Lord will not rapture them out of the, quote, tribulation, unquote, they see no point in being a Christian. This is not faith. It is blasphemy. The, quote, rapture, unquote, incidentally, is not to be confused with the doctrine of the second coming, which is different. I do not find this escapist doctrine of the rapture taught in the Bible. I do not find a commandment which declares that the church must, quote, teach all nations, unquote, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Men and nations are to be brought into subjection to Christ the King and His law word. We have been saved, not to run from the world, but, quote, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, unquote, Romans 8, 4. The world must therefore be brought under God's law. This is not escapism. It is a marching order. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushby. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he assures by his pain, the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Set you free. Set you free.
The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.